Hi. Hello. This is Watch If You Can. I'm Nicole. I'm Katie. We're your hosts. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about movies and TV and what's going on in the world in culture and film and entertainment. Um, and today's our first episode. We're going to talk to you a lot about like woman empowerment. Yeah. Especially with Captain Marvel. Yeah. And women taking the lead in movies. Um, pardon the awkwardness. We're still getting the <laughs> hang of this. Um, but we hope you enjoy it. And yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is our very first episode, so um, it's going to be awkward. Just bear with us. <laughs> um, we started this podcast to talk about movies and things that we like watching. Because um, we... And television. Yeah. Anything that's on a screen, <laughs> basically a YouTube video. No, maybe not a YouTube video. I guess so. Um, some of the YouTube videos we can't watch anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, movies are the reason we met, so I think it's only appropriate that we're doing this together. <laughs> uh, I feel weird. Yeah, I, so the topic we first want to talk about is women taking the lead in non-romantic comedies yeah. with the introduction of Captain Marvel last week, and there's Wonder Woman, Atomic Bombshell, movie coming out in May, Booksmart, which is Olivia Wilde's directorial a uh, debut and widows yeah um i watched captain marvel and it's been really fun to see you should it's like do you like the avengers honestly i'm so behind in them i really have no idea what's going on so am i like i I had to google who died because i was very confused yeah no but why because i just didn't know what's going on i've only seen like one avengers okay so you watched infinity war no and you Googled to, it? I just wanted to know who died. Katie! I just was curious. No, that was so heartbreaking. I still really don't remember who died. All I know is that Spider-Man died. Why did you do this to yourself? No, okay. So are you, are you going to watch Endgame? I think I have to watch the other ones because I'm so confused what the hell's happening. Listen, I only watched Iron Man 1. I haven't seen any of those. I only watched Iron Man 1, Avengers 1... I guess Avengers 2, but I didn't pay attention to it. All I know is Elizabeth Olsen is in it and is like a badass. I watched Miss the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies. I was trying to watch them the other day, and I cannot fucking find them anywhere. They're not on Amazon. <laughs> like, I was just looking at the trailers, and I don't, it's like really upsetting. They were so good. Remember when they went to Sydney? That's the one I was trying to watch. That and the one from Rome. And I was like, why aren't, why, where are they? Like, why aren't they on Amazon? Because everything should be on Amazon that I can watch. Exactly. Or Netflix. Netflix. I have them all on VCR. But I don't have a VCR anymore. Yeah, that's going to take a long time for you to convert. I honestly would be willing to convert it for them. I am sure you will. Please invite me if you do. But I I watched Infinity War without too much prior knowledge. I like, I'd watched Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are really cool. <laughs> it's like Chris Pratt. I know. I know who's in all of these films. So that's the like Chris Pratt. Movie. Don't 
know, and I've seen, like, part of that. I just don't fully know what's happening in them. Okay. Um, I, like, I'm not a comic book. But like, I want to see Captain Marvel because I like Brie Larson, and I yeah. feel like I don't need much background. You don't. It's an origin story. Yeah. So, yeah, Captain Marvel's, um, it's pretty cool. The soundtrack is really 90s, and... That's my favorite era. And, like, there's a blockbuster in the movie. I love blockbuster. There's one left in Bend, Oregon, that I'm willing to go to just to see it. I totally think you should. I loved blockbuster. It was, like, a super, like, ritualistic I still thing. have some blockbuster films that I just never returned, but since they're out of business, <laughs> I really don't have to return them. Yeah, um, Captain Marvel's great. And I love seeing how how much money it's making. I yeah, People were scared. Yeah. And it, people are saying it's going to like make $1 billion worldwide for sure. So that's really exciting. It's one going to be one of the few. It already made more money than Wonder Woman. Yeah. But it's like kind of nice to see that like both of them together. Like they both been like exactly. really supportive of each other too. Exactly. Yeah. And um, she is... She's like, I only remembered her from Room, so it's a very different character. I remembered her from her Disney Channel days. She was on one of the Disney Channel originals um, with the girl from 7th Heaven about, oh, it's the one about, like, it's not street racing, but it's like go-karting or something. And I was like, I was really impressed with myself that I've like, I followed her career for a while. It blows my mind that she's been around for so long. She was like a singer for a while too. She I remember. <laughs> That's so funny because she is so serious. Because I feel like she's not serious. Yeah, but you rarely see Disney Channel stars winning Oscars. That's true. I do think that Lindsay Lohan does deserve an Oscar for Parent Trap, <laughs> and I will fight anyone to the death on that. But whatever. <laughs> Um, I was thinking today, and this is going to be like a really weird thing, but I was thinking about all our similarities, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking we're like kind of the twins from Parent Trap, but we don't look alike. We need to practice the handshake. Yeah, we have to learn. I do know the handshake. Do you? Yeah, but I only know it with myself, playing both roles, so <laughs> I would have to play it with somebody else. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, no, Lindsay Lohan, I started following I love the outfits that she wears, too, in that. In life, or... No, but in that movie, I I fully try to mimic a lot of my clothing based off, like, when she has, like, right when they get to the hotel, the Stanford, in, (laughs) no, this movie's very well, um, in San Francisco, which is not a real hotel, but she's, like, in this, like, cute yellow blouse, which normally yellow does not look good on many people, but she pulls it off, and, like, this cute yellow skirt, and then that one is Annie... Or it should be. And then, like, Hallie. And then she's in, like, this white outfit with a yellow shirt. Like, a leather white jacket. Oh my. I was like, they're, like, very stylish. That I would fully wear these outfits at this point. I hate yellow. I do, too. But I was, like, very, like, just everything about it. Okay. We're, like, super t- tangential conversations. But I think they're important. Lindsay Lohan. I started following her on Instagram accidentally. I didn't know I was following her. But all of a sudden, she started showing up on my feed. And I am still trying to decide if that is, like, serious or if it's, like, a, a parody Instagram. I don't know if she no, takes yeah. herself seriously. I do watch her MTV show. Is it good? I mean, it's very amusing. I like to say that she is a boss bitch. And so I'm, like, very proud of her for everything she's become. <laughs> It's like, she's been through a lot. She has. And so, like, good for her for, like, making these businesses and whatnot. But I definitely, I mean, it's amusing to see her kind of in this role as, like, a boss and, like, a leader. And she's, like, a big feminist, which 
I wasn't taken aback by, but it's kind of interesting that she's so prominent in ex- telling people about that. Yeah, but then someone asked her if she's a feminist in an interview recently, and she was like, I'm just living to go, whatever that is. That's a shitty answer. That is. But she's, like, all about, like, just female support and stuff, and at least, like, in the show, she was talking, like, doesn't like that girls are talking behind each other's backs and all this stuff. Go her. Which is, like, good to have in a reality show to show, you know, what shouldn't be a reality. Yeah. Um... I wonder if she'll go back into acting. I would she love is. She has a new film coming out. I don't know. I think she's like some zombie wife in it. Do I don't know what it is. I don't do zombies. We are going to have to like change her career. I want to see her back in Parent Trap 2. That's going to be sad though because Na- Natasha. Oh, that would that would break my heart. That Yeah, no, we can't do that. Except her mom could play the role. Really? Let's... Vanessa Redgrave? I thought you were talking about Lindsay Lohan's mom. I was like, not yeah, Dina. Yeah, exactly. No. Like, no. <laughs> she did some good acting in Big Brother this season, but. She was on Big Brother? Yeah, with Candy from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Which is why people find out she had an online boyfriend. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> five years without ever seeing a photo of her. Like, at that point, it's very confusing to me. Like, why wouldn't you at least ask for a photo? Like, do, how do you know it's a real human? Yeah, you don't. It easily could just be, like, someone mistexting you yeah. or something. I just, like, five years is a long time to not even, like, have... Like, the guy could easily send a fake photo to his that Exactly. <laughs> and so, and, like, even hire an actor. To, like, there's so many ways to at least catfish somebody, but at least do it well. <laughs> that, like, you know, like, you have, like, the photo. Like, give someone at least a reason to realize that you're a live human and not, like, some comatose body. I don't understand the dynamics of this relationship, but I'll let you take the lead on that. I don't either. I'm confused. I really think it's probably some guy maybe in prison and (laughs) that can't send photos or has, like, you know, one of the flip films without cameras. And that's what... It's like someone's tech writing their messages on email. But how would they get Dina Lohan's phone number? I think that might be something passed around. (laughs) I don't think that's going to be the hardest thing in the world. It could also just be like a pure guessing game. I just am curious how they've met if they've never seen photos of each other. I don't think they've met. No, they haven't met. Or not how they met, how they were introduced. Wasn't it like an online dating thing? Maybe, but don't they usually require photos? Yeah. I don't know. This is all very sketchy. It sounds... um... The guy from Catfish like did it without her permission and figured out like the guy doesn't exist. But didn't someone come out and say that he's her boyfriend? That's easy to fake. I mean, you could just say, like, half the people in the world can say, oh, like, me. It's so <laughs> Just for the notoriety. I feel like we're going to, like, have updates on this story in coming Hopefully. weeks. If anyone has an update on this story, I'd really <laughs> like to know. But, um, back to our topic, because I feel like we need to talk about this shit. Yeah. Booksmart. I'm so excited for Booksmart. So excited for it. I love Beanie Fieldston. She's amazing. And her brother, Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. <laughs> I saw this review that it was like, she could be Jonah Hill's cousin. I'm like, yeah, she's his sister. I know. <laughs> but like, I feel like she's kind of like the cooler version of Jonah Hill. She's like edgy, but like can play like the Jonah Hill characters, but also play like yeah. the other like more feminine characters without like having like 
more the physical comedy that Jonah Hill was kind of known for. But he's transitioning exactly. into more like serious roles. To be fair, I love him in mid his work in mid nineties as yeah. a director. So Jonah Hill, the director, is like pretty cool. And he's directing a new film too. He's directing. Um, I don't know if this is actually known. So I, can't, I don't know if I can say anything. No, I mean I don't. I know he's directing a film in um, Atlanta. He. Um, Maniac, his work in Maniac was also good. Yeah. With Emma Stone. But yeah, Booksmart seems to be really, really cool. Olivia Wilde as a Love director. She, yeah. And like her husband's in it, Jason, or not husband, but partner. Partner. Jason Sudeikis, who I love. It's like a lot of SNL people in it too. Really? Mm-hmm. I watched that trailer and I'm like, this is going to be one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Wait until Greta Gerwig comes along with Little Women and then everybody's hearts are going to be split between... Is the Little Women, is it a period piece or is it more set in the more modern time? Period, period piece. It's a great cast, though. Yeah. It's amazing. Meryl Streep is in it. What else do you need? I know. She can do no wrong. Yeah. Neither can Greta Gerwig, I don't think. I'm with you, fans. It's going to be like the new Lady Bird and then like Greta Gerwig's new movie. 2019 is going to be one for... Is, Sor- is Sorsa Roche? Sorsa. Yeah. Ronan, is she in Little Woman as well? Yes, it's Sersha, Emma Watson, that girl from Sharp Objects. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, Meryl Streep. Oh, Emma Watson? Yeah. Did you already mention that? Yeah. Oh. Because she was replacing, because I think Emma Stone. Emma Stone, Emma Stone yeah. I fucking love Sersha Ronan. I do too. Her interviews are so funny. She is amazing. I love her. And I can't wait. That Have you seen Atonement? Yes, but many years ago. How the fuck did that girl, at 13 years old, pull off such a good performance and she's in the movie for 20 minutes? I mean, that was, she was also, like, so, like, unfazed by the fact she was nominated for an Oscar. I saw her interview with Andy Cohen, <laughs> and she was, like, so, like, she was, like, I don't Like, she was so unfazed when she was nominated for the Oscar at that age, too. Yeah, because I don't feel like you understand what's going on if you're nominated for an Oscar at that age. You're just like, okay, cool. It was her first film. It's insane. She is so good. I love her. That's going to be cool. And I don't know. Do you want to talk about Atomic Bombshell? Because I haven't seen it. I haven't really seen that. I actually don't think I have seen it. But I know, like, I mean, that was kind of just, like, the first, like, there was all this, like, debate on having a female James Bond, Mm -hmm. which is still very much a debated topic. Mm -hmm. One of the old Bond girls recently came out saying that Bond should only be played by a man. Um, and so, kind of, like, Shirley Saren, this was kind of her foray into being, like, the female James Bond, which is, yeah. ha- it's a necessary time. I mean, there's a lot of female CIA agents, FBI agents, yeah. like, there are women that are doing the same thing in real life, mm-hmm. so it's, like, about time that they're represented, but, I mean, I don't, I don't know, it didn't get as strong with the reviews as I would hope for, for something like that. To be fair, I watched the trailer and it didn't look that good. However, I am not an action movie person. I just don't know how someone could run in stilettos. Like, it, that just is not humanly possible. And no one that is an agent really would be doing it. So that's always, like, a big turnoff for me. Like, why does a female have to be in heels running to be seen as a badass? Why can't she be in flats like a normal human being would yeah, be? But have you seen Jurassic World? Bryce Dallas Howard is walking, running throughout the like dinosaur park in heels and looking hot. I know, but like, that's just not practical. Oh, not at all. It's. I think that's the thing as well that like now that women are getting representation in worlds when they don't have to look perfect and it's not a romantic comedy. It's time that they start adjusting all these small things as well. Yeah. Like, waking up with makeup on, that just doesn't happen. 
<laughs> running around in heels and looking perfect all the time, it doesn't happen. And I think that that's, like, the next step. We're still arriving at the representation thing, but yeah. once that's solidified, I'd love to see, like, a real woman represented on screen. Like the favorite, they wore so little makeup, and it, it looked yeah. kind of, even though it's a period piece, it looked more... Do you remember, like, the film Spectacular Now when she... Yes. They, that was part of it. Because it was, I mean, a low-budget film, but it was also... She wore no makeup. Really? Yeah. I love Shailene Woodley. She... I like her, too. She hasn't done anything in a while. Big Little Lies. I know. Season two's coming out. Yeah, that's... A, oh, my God! Meryl Streep is in that, too! I know. And she's, like, brown hair. Which is so confusing. I know. It's not her best look, I'm not gonna lie. I do love her, regardless, but... Yeah. She can do no wrong. But That's true. It's definitely not. But I think, like, the film Late Night, which is coming out, and I've seen, um, I think that does shift a little bit of, like, these gender mm-hmm. norms. And it's great to see, like, the female Late Night host, which we just got one. Yeah. For, like, the first time on a major network, even though we had Busy Phillips on it for E. Yeah. Um, but the YouTube star. Lily. Yeah. She's going to be the first one. So it's kind of, like, it would be, it's a great, it's going to be a good timing, just based on mm-hmm just coincidence but that one's I mean pretty good and you don't see Emma Thompson really in heels that much I don't think mm-hmm. but you got to see her in like the power pantsuits that are like these dresses and yeah. kind of just taking on this badass women role who just doesn't want to you know have to dumb down her work for you know to compete and she's a woman of color too, Lily Singh. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah, yeah. her name which and is like she's, also and she's really of LGBTQ cool. yeah she's queer so it's kind of like, it's going to be, I don't know, it would be really good to have some diversity within that scene. Yeah, I'm excited for that movie. Um, I think a film that, like, I watched last year, and I think in a way, like, is about female representation because there's a very fucked up woman as the lead role, but, like, left me thoroughly confused, is Vox Lux. With Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in New York last year, and I was so disoriented by that movie. Because it was, it starts with... I'm very confused with the premise. So it starts with a school shooting. Yeah. Like, spoiler alert. So, Celeste. I know that, yeah. Celeste, who's her character, is one of the only survivors of the school shooting. And then she writes a song for the whole tragedy, and she becomes a pop sensation and that's like the first half of the movie um and then the second half of the movie is natalie portman as celeste a grown woman still trying to like have a career but i'm not going to spoil what happens during the first 10 minutes of the second part of the movie but like she's still trying to have a career and her daughter is like 18 and like growing up and it's played by the girl who played the young Celeste. That girl, I'm going to find her name. Because she is an amazing actress. But that movie, like... The the thing about it is that you see this, like, woman who is, like, strong. And, um, I don't know. It's not the typical female representation, and I think that when we're talking about representation, we can't only think that we're going to see, like, yeah. likable women on screen. Which is good. I don't think everyone should be likable. Like, I think, like, within, like, the show, like, Gracie and Frank, which we've talked about, Frankie, 
Um, Gracie and Frank. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Lily Tomlin could just be, like, Frank, like, she, well, one, she is very Frank in her character, but two, it's kind of like, I don't know, I feel like that's, like, her nickname for me, but, you know, Jane Fonda is very well known of playing not the most likable character, yeah. um, but it's kind of nice to see women of, you know, a certain age, which, you know, parts are more rare, kind of getting these roles mm-hmm. that are, you know, at a younger age, you feel very much attached to, but it's also kind of, you know, you know, showing that, you know, like, there's always this ageism thing where it's like, you see, like, 40-year-olds playing 80-year-olds. That's yeah. just so confusing. <gasps> yeah. Like, and a 40-year-old, it's, I mean, sometimes there are grandmothers at that age, great, but there's also older women that are amazing actresses mm-hmm. that deserve these roles as well. Yeah. I agree. The girl who plays um, the younger version of Celeste in Fox Lugs is called Rafi Cassidy. She's she's so good. And, like, yeah, no, like, that's just... A and she plays the daughter, too. Yeah. Which is... That's a little confusing. Yeah, but it's... She plays both roles. She is, like, the star of the movie for me, personally, because, like, Natalie Portman's only in it for the second half. But, um, yeah, like, I feel like that was a movie that, like, the character wasn't likable, but you you still saw a real person in her. Yeah. And you could really understand the three-dimensionality of that female character, even though you didn't like her necessarily. And it, it does, like, tie into, like, the complicated representation of, like, women in pop music because when she was young, like, people tried to, like, make her something into, like, into what she wasn't. And, like, there was this, this whole constructed image that she tried to like perpetuate further on in her life and I thought I I I don't know if I like the movie I thought the character was very well fleshed out yeah I think that's like important though it's like about like I feel like women are always kind of seen as like either these extremely likable characters or these hated characters that are like these villains but a human is much more complex they have Mm -hmm. you know there's different dimensions to them they have different moods and different attitudes and if you're only seeing them from these one-sided perspective, you're just not getting an actual human. Yeah. And it's just, like, this facade, which I get people can attach to, but Mm -hmm. it's not, like, it's actually going to have, you know, this connection with somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. I, yeah. In a way, like, I hate watching movies and not empathizing with the protagonist, but, yeah, I completely agree. I think... I think we're getting there now. I just wish that there were more women doing the writing and directing, to be very frank. And, like, even just, like, the producing yeah. and editing. Like, women, it should be having more women and staff. Mm-hmm. Because, one, a lot of times, if it is a female actress, they're just more comfortable with having the women around, especially in scenes that are more emotional or sexual. They just feel it's a lot more confident. But it's also, if we're producing stories and making stories about women... Women need to be in the actual development process and making these things happen because a man does not know a female as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I'm so sick and tired of seeing, you know, these comedies, which are funny and whatnot, but just having these women be these almost like punching bags of humor. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just, they are, you know, these secondary characters that are the housewives and they just have no purpose and they have no character Rather than just being there to be the brunt of the joke. Yeah. it That's completely true. Like, have you seen Sex Education? 
the mm-hmm. Netflix show. So I saw a lot of interviews with the actors, and they were talking about, like, how they, like, rehearsed all the sex scenes before, and, like, the environment, of, like, the shooting environment was very comfortable, and, like, everything like that. And I feel like for those girls especially, because it was, like, those like first, first... Yeah. Those first roles, like, to just have an environment where you feel that you can trust people around you. And I think, I'm not sure um, who was in charge of, like, creating the show, but I think that, yeah, a woman created it. So you see, like, that's, that's, like, the most important thing. And in that show as well, all characters are very, like, the character of Maeve Mm-hmm. goes through this complete change and it's and it's also good to see like the abortion kind of portrayed mm-hmm. in more of a realistic I always thought that was one of the best episodes in Grey's Anatomy which is also created by a female yeah but is when Christina Yang um, has her abortion and I think people were like frustrated with that episode and it's one of those episodes that I mean they've been on for so many seasons but that's one of the ones that's always stayed with me mm-hmm. in that it's kind of portraying that it's a very hard thing to do mm-hmm. but if a female doesn't want to have a child, she shouldn't be pressured into it. She shouldn't feel, you know, the rest of society, it's her own internal choice. And I always felt like they did that very, very well. And I think there are certain films that are doing that more, but it's a big shift. And it's just kind of like, almost like, we're, as females, I feel like we're in this waiting game mm-hmm. of like good content that we feel like we can connect with and not feel like, oh, you know, I'm kind of being character assassinated for, you know, being born yeah. with, you know, double X chromosomes. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it, you, when you, like, watch movies that actually do what we're talking about, you realize that it's not that difficult. Like, Lady Bird is, has a very simple storyline. It's not complex. Yeah. You don't have to take someone to, like the edge of the world and back to prove that they're a complex like that they're a three-dimensional character and a person it's just if you know how to write and you care about the story that you're telling and the characters that you're portraying on screen it's just gonna work and it can be as simple as someone getting into college and i think it's also the studios that are very responsible because a lot of times the studios put pressure on the production companies and the writers and whatnot to have the content that they feel Mm -hmm. is good for them but if you have i mean which most studios are solely executive like all the executives are mainly men mm-hmm. um if you're not getting the good stories you're not having the good strong female writers and that's why you see you know resource is like hella sunshine and there's all these other female run studios that are popping up yeah and are kind of taking control of this content situation because everyone's been so frustrated with the fact that female stories just aren't there and that even if they are there they're just being demolished by the men that are trying to control what the woman's story should be and how they should be acting and how they, you know, just how, it's almost like it's just character assassination. Yeah, it sucks. Honestly, I I feel like right now, especially with the success of, like, Captain Marvel and then the critical acclaim of, like, Lady Bird and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and even the favorite was having, you know, exactly females. With Olivia Coleman actually, like, winning the yeah. Oscar. Woo! Um, I'm so happy. I think that right now people are going to understand that, yes, you can make money. Yes, you can um, have critical acclaim. And, like, all you have to do is just put the right people in the right positions. And it's going to happen. I'm just struggling to see if big studios are going to trust um, 
non-superhero or fantastical movies to women because of course an Avengers or a DC Wonder Woman thing is going to make money because that is like part of a whole story yeah I mean it'll be interesting I mean right now with all this stuff going on with the Warner Brothers CEO Mm -hmm. who's had to you know step down and seeing I mean I'm hoping that they're putting you know a woman in place or at least a minority or someone who kind of is you know, on this path to really trying to have more minority stories coming in. But it's, you know, it's a good shift in Hollywood. But I think, I mean, you always hear like, oh, these men are so scared, you know, because well, they shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't be scared if you haven't done anything wrong. Exactly. It's like your own fault for being scared because you're the ones who are harassing females. You're the ones repe- repressing females. It's, you know, if you want to be scared look in the mirror because it's completely your own situation. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with everything that's going on because of this shift. If women are going to finally start to get control of this really male-dominated industry. And it's been nice to see, like, this powering of women and, like, Time's Up and Me Too and everything's kind of, like, showing women banding together, which in the past women have always been kind of pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. But I think it really depends on having these studios kind of be like, we want women's stories and we want, like, actual women yeah. and have stories that mean something mm-hmm. that aren't just, you know, fluff. So I saw this thing yesterday that um, relates to what we were talking about. So I follow Paul Schrader on Facebook. Oh, he directed First Performed. He's a director. And he, like, has a funny Facebook account. So I just, like follow that and yesterday he posted a link of like a news story that Army Hammer and Tessa Thompson were like we're going to commit to working with female directors in the next 18 months or something and he was obviously <laughs> expressing his um, thoughts about this and he was like my priorities would be like the quality of the project the quality of the characters how much money I was going to be paid, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I would never put into account like the sex of the director when I am trying to decide if I'm going to take on a project or not. And while he does bring up interesting points, like, yes, there are lots of things that you have to consider when you're going to take on a role. Um, it's very easy for a man yeah. to go around and say, like, I wouldn't think about my director's gender and I wouldn't take that into account. Because, of course, nobody ever did like didn't give you an opportunity because you're a man. Yeah, and it's just like, especially, I mean, one, I think it's really great. I love Ari Hammer, and I think it's really great to have more men supporting that. Yes. Because I think a lot of women are, yeah, like, we want to work with females and stuff. But to have men kind of continue to push this mm-hmm. and be like, I really want to have female directors. I want to be working with female directors. And kind of showing that, you know, it's not only that women want to be working with women. Men want to be working with women, too. I mean, we have so many creative women and so many artistic and there are so many around it's getting giving them the jobs they deserve to have mm-hmm. because it's just there's so much nepotism like i get it you've been in the industry a long time but maybe this is not the right film for you maybe you don't know how this should be if it's a female lead character i mean women know how they work better but it's also it's almost just giving them the chance to prove themselves because we just haven't had that opportunity and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just a frustrating wall to be forced to try to take down all the time. That, you know, you see all these women having these great opportunities. 
And in Hollywood, it's just such a man's club. Yeah. But I think that when, um, when we're talking about this and, like, the progress we're making, we see all these, like, alternative studio options yeah. actually, like, taking the plunge. So, like, Amazon bought um, Late Night. Yeah. And they're distributing that. And then Netflix is um, releasing Brie Larson's directorial debut, Unicorn Store, next month, I think. So... I feel like big studios right now are, like, testing the waters. But us as people and and viewers and, like, people who like this art form, we also have to know where to look. Because if we prove to smaller studios that, yes, it's worth it, that, yes, we're going to watch a movie that was directed by a woman and we're going to like it and we're going to ask for it, they're going to have the incentive to buy more. And then that's just how things go. Yeah. I also think, like, we also have to be careful of the content that we're watching. Like, I still haven't watched Green Book, which I know is, like, everyone loved and I mean, whatnot. same. But I haven't seen it because one of the produ- producers was accused of sexual harassment. Exactly. And nothing was done. Like, I'm, like, why am I, I don't want to watch something from somebody. I don't want to give them the credit. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to be really mindful of the fact that we are in this industry. There's so much happening at this point. But you have to be aware of what you're watching. I mean, the fact that they won the Oscar, it's kind of reminds me of, like, when Casey Affleck won. Yep. Like... I was thinking about this right now. Yeah, it's just, like, why are we glorifying men who are harassing women? Like, why is that okay? That, you know, we shouldn't be giving them awards. We should be indicting them. And so it's about time that we kind of just take it back. And I think it was so infuriating for me to watch the Oscars and have them win, and nothing's been done. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, box office hit, and it, like, it, people kind of forgot the fact that he was accused of sexual harassment right when all this film stuff was coming out, and just kind of, like, you know, disappeared. But those are the titles, and those are the news headlines that should be coming out, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that people should be remembering all the times. Because, like, instead of the New York Times saying, oh, they won... Be like, you know, a guy accused of sexual harassment, you know, gets another award. What's done next? Uh-huh. I am like, to be fair, that is the one of the many problems with Green Book. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I will, like, honestly, too. I kind of, like, refuse to, but also, I'm like, if I'm going to hate something, I need to know what I'm hating. Yeah. But, like, I don't really don't want to give them the credit, and I don't want to pirate this movie. They're not worth my time. They're not worth my energy, but I feel like in terms of that, we just um, go back to our main character of the podcast today, which I feel is Brie Larson. So, you know, I think her moment giving Casey Affleck the award and refusing to clap on stage. Yeah, or hug him. Yes. Just gave him a death glare that I was like, that it was applauding. Exactly. So I think that that is the metaphorical thing that we should do. We should all be Brie Larson in that sense. We should all be conscious of the people who are getting their time in the spotlight. And then if they did something that we don't agree with and we think shouldn't be celebrated or praised and we want to stop giving people like that a platform, you just don't metaphorically applaud them and you don't metaphorically hug them and you see what happens. You know, like she refuses to talk about this moment, but it's just, it's very clear what she meant. And that's something that I think we should all keep in mind. The more that we learn about things the more 
we can choose to put the power in the people's hands who, like, actually deserve to have the power. Yeah. I mean, the more that people are aware of the fact, like, these producers exist, hopefully the less studios are interacting with them and actors as well. I mean, it's just, like, this infuriating cycle that I think we just have to deal with constantly. And, I mean, it's nice to see people like Brie Larson kind of talking about... I mean, she doesn't really talk about it, but having kind of using that big of a platform Mm -hmm. like the Oscars to you know give awareness and everybody knew what was going on that was the headlines um and so it's hopefully you know furthering the shift but it's just a really long time to be fair I after that I'm like she deserves to be I you should watch Captain Marvel so you understand what I'm talking about but like that superhero has no flaws. She is going to take on any fucking, like, bad man in a second. And she's going to... Honestly, I was watching the movie and I'm like, I love her. And she is super powerful. But, like, you know, like, she is just going to, like, I don't know, save the world. And it's going to be really... I know nothing about Avengers Endgame, so that might not be true. I mean, I only saw the trailer and she's, like, shooting the gun. Yeah, so the thing is... But she looks like a badass doing it, so. Captain Marvel is going to single-handedly save the planet and the universe, and I think, like, it all goes into, like, other fucking galaxies. So maybe she's going to save all the other galaxies as well. I mean, a female... It's not, like... I'm not surprised that a female is going to be the one saving the world. Let's be honest. It's usually the men that destroy it, and the female is the one who clean it up and fix it. <laughs> so I think that... Concluding thoughts, like, let's all be Brie Larson. Let's all Brie Larson this shit. Yeah. I mean, she's just taking charge and kind of being, like, this badass individual. She's amazing. I think we all should be badass people. Did you know she asked for, like, at least half of the journalists who cover her press cycle for Captain Marvel to be women of color? Good. She's amazing! Like, I mean, it's I'm so sick and tired of having those stupid men questions, too. Like... How do you balance work life and home life? Or, like, all that bullshit? Like, women don't ask that question because we know that we can do it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so, concluding thoughts. Brie Larson is our goddess. Yes. She's a superhero that we all need. So, if you're wondering what we're talking about on this podcast and what the, (laughs) like, final thesis statement of today is, is just... Brie Larson, your life. Yeah, and that women are the badass superheroes that we all need, and they're, they're going to be the ones that are going to save us from the men that are trying to destroy us. And Google who the fuck made your movie before you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me one thing that you want people to stream this week, or watch, or buy, or go to the movies to see. I mean, that's hard. There hasn't been that many films that come out. I think Captain Marvel, obviously, is the biggest one that's come out. But there's not many new ones that have been really released. But not necessarily new ones. Things you're watching at home. <sighs> um, well, April, Netflix is releasing Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 1 and 2. <laughs> I'm not yes. going to lie. That's great. April 1st, if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, that should be rewatched. I love a good documentary. Um, I think RBG is one of my favorites of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Three Identical Strangers, which is CNN's. And Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, which is HBO. So those three have been, you know, great watches and kind of very interesting to see in this political climate what's going on. Uh, my recommendations are mm, a little trashier. 
Um, I really want people to watch uh, a reality show called Back with the X. Oh, I've I've only I've seen the ad. I haven't seen the rest. You have to watch it. Okay, I love so reality TV. Australian reality TV has like is amazing. Well, the accents make everything better. But American reality TV has nothing on Australian reality TV. Like those are the best reality shows I've ever seen. I will fight you on this. Real Housewives of the U.S. is much better than Real Housewives of Melbourne because of the hair was so big on Melbourne, I just was so distracted by what was going on. I don't watch Real Housewives, but I just think that the concepts of their TV shows are, like, really They're great. Innovative. Yeah, so Back With The Eggs is basically, like, four couples, and then one of the people in this couple is like, I want to get back with my ex, and then, like, they, like, f- fly people to Australia in one case, or, like, have them all, like, meet again, and they are, are like... It's like a triangle situation? No, because they're, like... So let's say, like, you want to get back with an ex of yours, and you tell the show, like, I want to get back with an ex. And then they're like, ex, do you want to get back with Katie? And they're like, I'd give it a shot. And then they, like, basically document the three weeks that you spend together. And, like, for a week they live at your place, and then for a week you live at theirs. And I, I don't know. It's, like, this really cool thing. It is so fun to watch. And the accents are dope. <laughs> and there are, like, some really wholesome stories. Don't Google them before you watch it. Instant Hotel is another Australian TV show, which is all about, like, people who own Airbnbs going all around the country, um, visiting and staying at other people's Airbnbs, and it's a competition to see who has the best Airbnb in Australia, and you would think it sucks, but it doesn't. (laughs) It's amazing. Do people, like, go through their other people's stuff? No, they can't. But then, those are my two trashy recommendations, and then a very good recommendation is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. If you haven't watched it yet, it was created by Amy Sherman Palladino, who created Gilmore Girls, and her husband, Daniel Palladino, as well. It has been winning all the Emmys and Golden Globes and Critics' Choice Awards, which is how I kind of fell into it, and then a friend told me to watch it. The dialogue is so good. The production design is beautiful. It's a very aesthetically pleasing show, but um, it's about this woman who's Midge Maisel, played by Rachel Brosnahan, and she lives in New York in the 50s, a very conservative Jewish family, and she becomes a stand-up comic, or wants to become a stand-up comic. And it's a great, great show. Alex Borstein is in it, and she's her manager. And for those of you who watched Lizzie McGuire movie, it's, <laughs> it's always a, a good person to see on screen. Um, and the show is so good. I've been binging it like crazy. That's, those are my I mean, my trash is always... I watch everything Bravo. I feel like that should be our next episode is reality television. Okay. Um, I mean, Andy Cohen can do no wrong in my life. I love him. <laughs> um, uh, cool. I think this is it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, we hope you liked the episode. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We promise we're going to get better at this. <laughs> and our next episode is on reality television so tune in next week and bye guys bye